Listen, I've never had any problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way. Drag racing's all I've ever done. It's all I care to do. I respect the history, I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport, and I'll fight for it. It's uncut, it's unfiltered, this is the show of shows. The biggest names in drag racing. No holds barred. This is the great American motorsport, drag racing. Prove me wrong, I'll wait. Hey gang, Wes Buck here, Drag Illustrated Magazine, checking in. It is Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. We uh, appreciate you joining us here. I want to remind everybody that the Wes Buck Show is brought to you by our friends at Flow Racing, Redline Synthetic Oils, Type A Motors, Racers Club, and of course, the gang up the road in Oklahoma City, Stroud Safety. Appreciate all you guys supporting this project and being a part of it for so, so long. We're on episode 301. We're like in, uh, what, Kenny Bernstein territory. Wasn't that it? Mike, JT, 301 yeah. mile an hour. Yeah. Gainesville, Florida. Or, yeah, Gainesville. 19. Yeah, you're, oh, you're asking JT? He's yeah. a drag racing historian. <laughs> yeah, sorry uh, to the whole world out there I, for referencing yeah, or leaning on JT for my drag racing statistics. But anyways, we've got a very special guest for you guys today. She's uh, become a little bit of a fixture on the podcast circuit. It's kind of a crazy thing to see her rapid ascension. Uh, she was hanging on the door of a pro stock car for as long as I can remember, and now she's essentially a superstar in the media world. Let's give it up for our friend, longtime friend of Drag Illustrated, Courtney Andrews. What's up, Court? Hi, Boom. guys. I know y'all missed applause? me. We we did? Oh, yeah. But thank you. Yeah, well, welcome to the show. <sighs> Yeah, JT never on. participates in the applause. I just watch you, you guys and laugh. <laughs> yeah. I figured you'd at least do it for me, JT. Oh, yeah, dude. Thank you. See, yeah. he'll do whatever you ask. Or he'll do whatever you ask. I promise you that. Um, well, hey, I wanted to talk real quick. Like over the weekend, in I found out in the green room here that nobody else watched it but me. But I, I guess it's a bummer that nobody watched the 149th running of the Kentucky Derby. Like I was. I guess I'm just way more of a geek Dude, for a big I event. I told you. We tr I tried to watch it, and after seven hours of, of lead-up, I missed the race. I, I went outside for like 30 minutes, come back in, race is over. They don't tell I, I, I didn't know it was on. Happening. We used to have a big party. How do you not party. know it's on? How do you miss that? I don't know. Yeah, I was busy doing Drunk. stuff. Drunk. Yeah. yeah, the 20 yeah, that, hours. That that was, yeah. You know what we yeah. should do is go to the Kentucky Derby. That's a oh, major We put it on Kentucky. the books so, for so next we year. Used, we used to throw a huge party, and then – you know, you get you get to draw for for your horse, and and one year we did a big auction. You know, we auctioned off all the horses, and and it was fun fun as hell. Derby parties are hot right now. I see a lot of people having. Everybody oh, dude, it's like wear the hat and drink the juleps. Yeah, down here in Texas, like every block, there was like a derby party going on, uh, like in the greater Fort Worth area. It seems like I was just the reason I brought it up though is a couple things. We think about how long the NHRA has been around 70 years, and it's like, holy shit, that's like really significant. But then you talk about an event that's been around for 149 years, and you're even, I mean, it's almost overwhelming, to be honest. And I guess my next kind of thought on this is when you guys, do you guys watch any of these big sports happenings, whether it's, you know, the aforementioned Kentucky Derby, the Daytona 500, whatever? Do you guys watch any of that stuff and like dream of what could be for drag racing? Yeah. 
No doubt, man. That's where we have to get our inspiration. I, mean, I, yeah, think, that, I, think, I think that, that every time we watch anything, we're always like, how can that adopt over into motorsports to some extent? I watch the Kentucky Derby just because like anything motorsports I like, but I watch that because it's a like this, a topic of conversation anywhere you go. And it's just current event type stuff. And I think that having drag racing beyond that level is big dream. <laughs> How much of it for me and Courtney, you can kind of bring the flow racing perspective to this that I would love to hear because, um, and I'm getting some crazy feedback somewhere. I don't know if anybody else is getting that, but I'm getting some, some, yeah, you hear it as well. I don't know where it's coming from, but anyways, uh, I'm just curious from flow racing's perspective. I don't think it is you Courtney, uh, from flow's perspective, what do you take like what kind of effort is going into creating all that build up stuff? Because it feels like Flo's got the live stream down, like best in industry, best in class. But if we use the Kentucky Derby as an example, the race was two minutes. It was all the other stuff, like all the build up and all the profile pieces. Cause like when I'm watching it, I'm literally taking notes going, Oh, why didn't we do this for world series? Why didn't we do that for world series? We got to do this for, because they've turned every single thing into a happening and a content opportunity. Do you guys, do you guys feel that pressure like internally to be like, okay, we, we've got to go beyond the best definition cameras and the best angles of our live stream? Absolutely. I mean, that's, I think I can speak for flow. That's the reason they hired me was they got into the space and, and figuring out what drag races worked with the flow plat- flow platform, but leading up to it like of course we want people to watch it but awareness is key and so working with a series like pdra and doing these driver profiles with Corey and and all of these things that make people who might not have watched just like we do with the kentucky derby i could give a crap what horse was what i think they're cute i know nothing about horses but when they do those kinds of things you find yourself wanting to root for certain people and i think that the drag racing's missed the boat on that for a lot of years you know our coverage is is what it is on fox and the racing's there but like you said, the race is six seconds long. You know, we may have multiple rounds of that, but we've got to get people intrigued in that. And flow has, especially in the drag racing sense, if you go over to the flow racing side of it on social, as opposed to flow drag racing, they've got it down to a T and they've got all of these driver profiles, lead ups to the events, advertisements even coming into it. But um, flow drag racing, is kind of new. They hired me in June and that was one of the main prerogatives of it. Did you she say that horses she are cute? basically just said that, that uh horses were cuter than all of that horses. that i said that's what y'all took from it I <laughs> yeah that's what uh, horses are scary i don't know about you guys are, I, i'm scared i'm scared scary. of death i'm scared of horses i have a buddy i've never ridden a horse scared of and i'm scared <laughs> i don't even want to get are you close really? to one yeah, yeah. Man, I, mean, well, I got thrown are... off a horse i got thrown off a horse and i kind of and it hurt um and i've never forgiven the horse you gotta get back on that well, this is the, the difference i was born and raised <laughs> yeah, in yeah. texas boys born and raised in texas horses are cute not scary okay okay fair <laughs> enough fair enough I'm you won't see fan. me on one though <laughs> no i'm not a fan at all and i don't know that i will ever be a fan but i'm much like you i don't really have any interest necessarily in like i don't know how you say uh the the horses themselves or any of that stuff my interest was purely in the promote the production of the event like how they were doing this how it all was that's the thing is I go to these NHRA races and I feel or in all drag races and it does feel like everybody puts their camera down when there's not a car doing a burnout. Like, you know what I mean? Like no one's even paying attention if we're not racing. But you, then you look at the Kentucky Derby as an example, bro, there was the, a collective a few minutes of horse racing over the course of the whole weekend 
but they've managed to create an environment where a the live event atmosphere they had 150,000 people there and yeah. you're excited to be there and you're just proud to be there and be part of it and i do feel like we've got to start to trend more that direction as a sport but i do think it starts with pomp and circumstance all the bells and whistles you got everybody dressed to the nines wearing their hats doing all their things uh but then all that additional shoulder programming i i know who owns all the horses I know who all rides all the horses. I know who trains all the horses. And I was thinking about that. Courtney, you could drive the bus on this, like in the NHRA. There is so much lost opportunity over there in the media center. And like, why aren't we hearing after every race, we should hear from the team owner, the winner, uh, the winner, the winning driver, the winning team owner, and the winning crew chief. Like those are three more stories to tell, three more personalities to introduce people to, three more people that people can either love or hate or somewhere in the middle, right? I mean, I, I think that that's some stuff that second, we're kind of glossing over. Place. Even second place. Yeah, man. I mean, like, I mean, we dropped the ball on they, it. What they did wrong. Before the World Series, I told everybody that, or I told our, our media team that I wanted to make sure that at the end of the race, we interviewed the winner, the winning driver, the winning crew chief, the winning team owner. And I understand how in those moments, those things don't happen. And it's easy to like, oh, you know, but as we move forward, like you got to do it. Like you have to do those things, especially if you want to kind of grow and become an iconic event or whatever, or have this, the attention of the world, if you will. It's kind of the same thing. I mean, I may get a little, little flat for saying this, but think about it. You've got a horse, you've got a race car, you've got a jockey, you've got a pilot, you've got a team owner, you've got a horse owner. And it's kind of the same structure and the Kentucky Derby, like, I couldn't tell you the jockey's name or what he looked like. I just knew what color he was wearing, but I'm watching, looking for the team owner and his bougie ass dressed wife to see where they go to. And they go to them instantly. And it just shows that it's, it's three way more, but they concentrate on those three pillars of it. Whereas taking nothing away from the car or the driver, but the car is the star in our sport. And the driver even should be more of it than there. I get that we're basically keeping space shuttles on the ground at this point on four wheels, but having that separation and, and putting forth the not fame, but the notoriety that each one of those deserves, because it takes a, a thousand people to make this happen. And jockeys and race car drivers kind of are in the same spot. I think there's a ton of comparisons, like a ton of really good comparisons. And I think that it's fun to talk about this stuff because I always love the King for a day. Like, Hey, if they gave me the keys to the castle, here's right. what we would do. I love those discussions. And I think it's fun and healthy for the sport to just look around because a lot of times they think we're so I was this guy. I remember telling this story. I was, I remember my little apartment I lived in uh, on Salter Place was the street name in Kirksville, Missouri. And I was working from my home office was with just a, my bedroom essentially. And <laughs> my phone rang and it was David Rare, uh, Rare Morrison Racing Engines, Arlington, Texas, this icon. I couldn't even, I mean, a little bit of a name drop right there. I feel like Stephen A. Smith or something, you know, uh, just talking about my buddies. But David Rear calls me up. I answer the phone. And he knows I'm a Missouri boy. And he, he actually used to spend a lot of time up in Missouri. He knows the area. And he goes, hey, man, how about those Cardinals? And I guess the Cardinals were like doing really well in baseball. And I had no idea, like none, because all I paid attention to was drag racing. He ran I mean, out and got was, a Cardinals jersey, though, JT. I did. I went straight to Hibbets. They're good. Oh, oh man, I'm a fan. Like I'm See, a that's fan. Yeah. You got to be up and up on the current. Who's event? the best player? Oh, give me that one. Uh, Ozzy Smith, right? <laughs> no. He was good. Was he? 
Yo, oh, yeah. 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 Ozzy. Ozzy, Ozzy um, Mark McGuire. I'm there a big go. Mark yeah, McGuire. McGuire. But, but, but there you McGuire. go. Ozzy, Ozzy uh, put on a show for the fans all the time, right? He'd come so out, did Mark McGuire. Yeah, when he do, knocked do the, the backflips off those and things. stuff like that, you know? So, I mean, yeah, he was putting on a show. But my, my thing was that is I just didn't pay attention to anything but drag racing. And I sometimes think that we're all guilty of that because that was like, it hit me for whatever reason that day. It was just like, oh shit, I need to like look around because there are other things going on. And there's like a time and place for like staying super focused and keeping blinders on, I think. But in this like super competitive world we live in when there's a gazillion different options, I think that we as a sport, especially while we're still trying to grow, like I feel like we've got, I say this a lot, but I mean it. Every time I go to a drag strip every day, I feel like I'm walking on fertile soil. There is so much left for this sport to accomplish. And that is what gets me out of bed. Like, I think if I was operating in NASCAR where it kind of feels like they've already reached their peak and they're kind of trying to maintain or fight for relevancy, I, that would be a very, very tough pill for me to swallow. But here in our, like, I just wake up every day with a chip on my shoulder because I feel like there's something to prove. There's something left for us. And that's why, like, I'm going to the PBR event that's coming up like this week and it starts next week down here in Fort Worth, the PBR uh, world finals. And it's like, I want to go to those things because I'm sure that there's some idea that I will be able to steal. Well, or adopt. Remember, remember when I went to the rodeo and sent you guys, I may have had a few glasses of wine, but sent you guys those promo videos and stuff. I'm the same way. I go to every single sports venue, anything. And that's all I can think about. But like you said, in the green room, drag racing's a little behind on social, on content, on these podcasts and shows and stuff. And, and that's why I get some shit of, you know, being on this podcast and that podcast, but there's opportunity there and no one's really taken it. And why the hell not? You know, we've got, like you said, it's, it's very fertile. Do you think that we get too greedy? You know, like uh, we try to spread it out so much, you know, like, Oh, let's try to get fans here Thursday. Let's try to get fans here Friday. Let's oh. try to get fan here, you know, Saturday. Um, Saturday's usually the busiest, busiest day, but let's not have the finals until Sunday. You know, like, you know, like they've, they've built up the whole day at the Kentucky Derby, but at the end of the day, someone's crowned a winner in front of the, the in front of the yeah, big crowd day. in front of, I mean, that's kind of what you want too when you're winning is, you know, all the fans cheering, you know, and do we water it down maybe a little bit too much, you know, when we spread it out so, so much across the week that, well, look at that PDRA people, are, people are wore out, you know, like, let's face it. If they've been there for two days, they're like, Man, it's hot out there. I, I do think we it. expect a lot of our fans. I mean, yeah. I, I I literally watch all that stuff comes from the participant side to me or from the org organization. And it's like, this is what we're going to do. And the fans are going to like it or leave it. And so this is how this race is going to operate. And it's going to go on for four days. And if you love drag racing like we do, then you're going to show up for it. And I, and I just think that that it kind of goes back to like the hyper focused nature of racing and especially drag racing in my opinion it's like there's no time for sports there's no time for a kentucky derby there's no time to be interested in what the cardinals are doing because if we got shit to do here in drag racing it takes up so much time so much effort we know so many people our own family members that li literally know nothing outside of the walls of that eighth mile or quarter mile and when that's gone or they're kind of forced to go put their focus on something else it's like starting over and they have no idea because they've devoted everything to drag racing. And I think that kind of carries on into what JT's saying. I mean, there's some truth to it. There's no doubt. I mean, you, however, I also think that there are plenty of examples in like other sports. Like I think about the waste management open that big golf tournament in Phoenix, like they've played it smart. We're like That's early in the week. Fest, it's free from what I understand. 
Well, it is a drunk fest, but the it's like they do like management. free Thursday and free Friday or whatever. And they get like Ford or somebody to pony up the money for tickets or whatever to like offset the cost to staff it and whatnot. Like they do. There's I think there are ways to do it, but I, I understand JT's point because he's always been a big advocate. I think some of the best examples are like. Uh, I think it's I mean, shame. Donald Long's races. The pace is packed on Saturday night, but we're not going to finish the race till Sunday. Yeah, I think it's just a shame that these guys aren't you know, racing the finals in front of the crowd and everybody hyped up and ready to see it, you know, and, and it just, it just sucks for the, from for, the business side. I'll tell you that it's, I think what I've seen is that, man, you want to sell a three day ticket dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that that's, you, you want to sell I, tickets and I, for and I get days, that. You know? I get that. But I, I, I do think that, that maybe it just needs to end on the day that, you know, whether you move well, it out. What, PDRA, PDRA this year, Tyler has made it very clear that they've restructured how they market everything. You know, it's, they used to say it's, it's verbiage gates open at 8 AM. Well, if you don't really know what's going on, you're thinking Saturday morning, I'm going to get my kids go to the racetrack. Well, they don't run pros until three at all. And so you're losing that. So they've, they've even changed the way that they advertise it and say, not using yeah. the words gate open. It's just pros start at, three or we have pre-race I, mean, I, I like that yeah, it too, and it's going to keep yeah. them there at that different chunk yeah so they're not going home before the right the, the those poor guys yeah you know even if they do and they they're they're working on packing the stands and stuff but even if there are people there like at galat the rain but they leave at the semis and then they've got to finish bracket bash and all this other happy stuff and and it's like you win in front of two people and they're yeah, doing winner's circle while they're still running the race. Right. Because there's so many classes, so many yeah. cars, so many classes. You got so many cars. You got to move down this track that you can't stop for a winner's circle. There's just, well, let me ask you this. So too like much in. that's why it goes to Sunday. We're a couple of days away or a couple of days removed um, from the Piedmont dragway, big dog shootout. Mike was actually out there at uh, Piedmont, North Carolina last Thursday night. And this deal's like legendary, been around for decades and it's a quick eight on a Thursday night. It's on a weeknight. And this deal basically starts, what, Mike, five o'clock and is over by midnight? I mean, typically, ideally, over. Yeah, they do, they, they do testing starting at like one or two o'clock, make a couple test hits. First round of qualifying is at four or five. Uh, they only have two qualifying sessions, and it's right into the race. It's an eight-car field, so it goes quickly, 45 minutes between rounds. And the deal's, you know, barring any wrecks or or other problems the deal's over by 11 usually at the latest that sounds amazing it <laughs> it's does. awesome yeah it is. it's it. a great yeah. it's a great race man Tons i mean are, i'm surprised they, they, there's they not more of there. those things happening in the country though aren't you like do you think that that's just a case of where because this kind of all circles back around i remember uh it's being said one time like the most dangerous words in the english language because that's how we've always done it yeah right yeah. and i i do wonder if because that format would work in a lot of places. I mean, there are a lot of places that have like a local contingent of badass door cars. You, you do something on a weeknight. You're not competing with all the regular sports programming that's happening in the area, whether it's college football or basketball, whatever's going on. Those weeknight events, I'm surprised we don't see more of that. Like that, that model what? that Piedmont has. I don't I haven't really seen anybody try to replicate. Like, wouldn't that be cool if that was the model for for Saturday? Like you've, you've ran you ran it down to eight cars or something and you modeled your Saturday off of that for your pros. I mean, that would be pretty damn cool, you well, know, but, cause you're going to get to basically see the whole kit and caboodle in, yeah. one, in one night. It's a very compact show that there's only two classes, three classes, maybe. Yeah. There's, the, there's, kill there's the other big classes. dog. And then, and then the, the bracket classes or whatever. Classes. So you know, for, yeah. for that, for that time slot, you know, or run them, right. run them to fruition instead of doing three days of qualifying. And, and I'm speaking yeah. on a, yeah. what I know and what I follow, but, 
getting everything ready like the NHRA does. You know, they round robin sportsman Thursday. We don't even touch it Friday morning, Friday night after we're done so that they are at the semis come right. Sunday and they're just that filler. And I think that um, PDRA Pro Stars is a good example of that to where that crowd can make that happen because I was there for that last year and it was absolutely incredible. Like, first off, I got to fly in the night before and leave the night after, which is <laughs> love that. But yeah, the concert's so in the middle. Did like, you have to fly I know, I'm no help. Ugh. Courtney, not Erica. I flew. Oh, oh sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, wrong, <laughs> wrong sister here. Um, I'm, I'm the peasant of the family. But it was, it was really cool because it was. It's not too bad down here. It ain't. <laughs> yeah. No. It was like nine in the morning. You start, and at first, I'm like, God, this is going to be such a long day. But there was so much going on, on and off the track. You had old PJ North spitting on the mic and the in the pits and stuff, and it was. It was nice to just have it all done. And it, they showed that it could be successful because they had people there. It rained a little bit during the day, but they had people there for the concert, a little cross-pollination, if you will, of, of different worlds. People were there for country concerts that had no idea what race cars were and pink skirts up in the grandstands falling in love with it. So it was cool. Man, they did that's it works exceptionally well down here at the motorplex for the Texas Stampede of Speed yes. and the NHRA Fall Nationals. Like they've done a fantastic job of throwing something out there for everyone. However, they're like, that's a seven day long deal. Like I'm not even that involved. And by the time it's over, I want to sleep for a month because you're just at, so it's, it's kind of the opposite almost because I feel like you kind of got to, it's so funny how there are so many examples I think in life where it's, it's hard to find the middle ground. You're either doing a week long festival <laughs> and you're expecting people well, to one day. camp out or you're doing this stuff in an evening. One of the other things I watched, this is a big weekend for sports, man. Um, I watched uh, the Miami Grand Prix, the Formula One race. A lot of similarities was, there with the Kentucky Derby deal, the buildup. Ton of a lot of it. Holy shit. Oh, my goodness. But my God. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was there. I mean, oh, right. and he crushed it much bigger than that uh he was at the or was Kentucky it, Derby or was too. it paulo bancaro from the magic could have been either one have you seen Dude? that deal uh paulo <laughs> oh. bancaro from the magic rookie of the year went to duke last year the dude what's his name martin brundle the little uh pit interviewer guy walked up to don, don o'neill who's who's a who's a rookie <laughs> At the time, and called him Patrick Mahomes. We got Patrick Mahomes here. No. Yeah. and it was yeah. this whole thing. And it's gone on for a year. Anyway, I thought you were more tied into. Well, it he finally yeah. he went oh, and I, apologized I and now. kind of made it. He he yeah. patched things up. But watching that deal unfold, it was cool to watch him walk down like pit row and like he goes, "Tom Cruise is over there," but I've been specifically instructed not to speak to him. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, there's Roger Federer and there's one of the Williams girls," but I don't think I can stand with stand the rejection, so I'm going to keep walking. And you know <laughs> what I mean? Funny. And it was it was so cool. But I those celebrity appearances, man, I can't help but feel like those we probably as a society don't really understand the significant, like how much that moves the needle. Like you see all those people there and next year you ain't missing it. Right. Because you just want to be somehow, some way guilty by association. Like you're never going to bump into Patrick Mahomes, but you want to be able to tell people that you were at the same event that he was. It's uh, I think the NHRA has done a really good job of trying to get a little more of that type of stuff going on this they year. Have. We've had like, some football players, some NASCAR stuff. And, and Josh is a big part of, of Josh Hatchett from formerly known as DI, but he's been a huge part of that because he like the soccer girls, everything. I feel like there's a tremendous difference in that. And Evan and everybody in the in venue 
they're giving that a space and they're giving activities for them to go be seen at and stuff too. And this year is a huge difference to me in that. Well, Josh I it was follows cool. all this stuff. I think that yes, it makes yeah, sense to me if you know Josh because he he knows like contracts, he knows TV numbers for all these sports. Like he follows it. So I think in his role with NHRA, he's kind of taking it upon himself to help push that and bring in some mainstream sports stars. It's working. Uh, yeah. So kudos to him and NHRA. Josh can Josh can send texts and write stuff into his phone without ever looking at it. He's oh wow! Talk, talks to you as he's doing it, and it, it really freaks <laughs> me out. It's really cool though, but I'm like. Good input, he, JT. He's, he's I not know, a, right? He's, he's not a single tasker. worthless information that you probably don't need to know, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> well, you know how Nate does it. He has his phone about three inches from his eyes because he he's basically arm, blind. Like you get a get a hat with an arm on it, you know, where it just sits there. <laughs> and then you just hold it. I love watching Nate text. It's one of my favorite things yeah. to do. It's like, Nate, quick, text text your mom or something. I just want to see well, he, you do it. You he know? looks over his glasses, doesn't he? Doesn't he do that? Yeah. And, and real close. Pull his glasses down and looks over. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Nate. It's like his the font on Nate's phone is like 48 impact. He, he, he can't sure. even defend himself right now. <laughs> I, I know. Just got, I hate to change the subject, uh, but I will for just a little bit. I just got Nate's uh, wedding program. They sent me one in the mail and it is awesome. So kudos. They made, they made it look like the drag illustrated. That was cool. Uh, kudos to whoever did cool. that, man. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just fantastic work. Probably could have had a better that you might? designer on it, but probably could have uh, had probably, yeah. probably. Bring most of that out in Canva. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just joking, Mike. But the 1299 <laughs> membership, the 1299 a month one, not basic. <laughs> yes, I'm a premium Canva user. I'm an <laughs> advanced Canva user. I'm a basic bitch over here, you know. Me too. Uh, my, oh, JT de- designs most of his stuff in Microsoft Paint. Yeah, <laughs> with know? a paintbrush. With a paintbrush. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's splatter. My, splatter my, brush. My monitor is a mess. <laughs> No <laughs> splatter brush. Oh my gosh, that's a blast from the past. Well, but it sucks I, though because th- when you're in like Photoshop or something like that, and then you go over and try a different software, you're trying to figure out how, you know, how to work like the other one. Basically, oh, it sucks. You, I yeah. I hate Canva. I can't hardly use it. Wes get Wes is a master of it. I, I can't even. I can't do I anything Canva. in Canva. Bunch I love uh, a little, a little secret. Everybody there, at, at Flow, we always get these these calls. We go on that teach us how to make reels and blur them out. This and that and. I'm over here like Googling what app does this and I shoot all the time. Quick, quick app. Quick yep. app. Yeah, me and you have had some pretty good apps over the years, Court. You know, yes, but, yes. Yeah. I mean, you work harder, not smarter. If it's the same result, like I'm I not know. a videographer, man. I'm well, some of them you like, you download the app and you put stuff in, you're like, holy shit. <laughs> it really does this good of a job. Amazing, man. Yeah. It is pretty amazing. Shout is out it, to InShot Erica? from the Reels. <laughs> Shout out to InShot. What a, are you going to throw out the first pitch at any baseball games? I saw Tony Schumacher throw out the first pitch at the Chicago Cubs game last weekend or or yeah. maybe just this past weekend. Is Erica doing any? She did Houston last yeah, year, didn't she? She did yeah. Houston, and we're, we're trying to do again with Josh. Josh is getting the shout-outs today. We're trying to do a little follow-up deal um, because – both of them won the championship that year, you know, oh. Houston won world series and then Erica won the championship. And so every time that something like that lines up, it's, it's kind of cool. So we just had, and I don't know if the press release has gone out, but I'm going to say it. Um, we pulled off to be Steve Torrance got the keys to the city for um, uh, Kilgore, Texas. This, and so Erica, y'all know Erica, Erica's like, I want <laughs> keys to a city. Like, why don't I have keys? Yeah, to I, have a city? Keys. I have five world championships. 
So we texted Josh and, and worked on it. And we actually got um, the proclamation from the mayor of Houston the other day that there is, we didn't get keys because Houston's a lot bigger get than the keys to Crest Haven Trailer Park. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Baytown, Texas. No, but it, there's Erica Ender's Day is April 30th because her competition number was 430 growing up. So we just um, just signed it on 430 of last year. And so every year is going to be an Erica Ender's Day. And I think we're going to try and loop something in with like the Dash, the Astros and Erica and kind of do do something cool. cool there. So that's yeah. pretty sweet. Like, dude, that's, that's awesome. really cool. It is Everyone cool. Day. And little sister, I'm a little you're it's cool but what the yeah i know yeah trust me yeah. it won't be long in granbury day, texas there's going to be a courtney yeah, ender's yeah. day you got hey, facebook courtney, you got your facebook. day is you just... april 31st what? thank you <laughs> i was just I saying you, you, gonna say... you could just make up your own day that's what i thought he was gonna does, say april 20th <laughs> every, every oh no you're, you're, yeah you got yeah, that one april 20th <laughs> Oh my gosh. Vaping queen. So let's uh let's touch base on this. I don't know if anybody went or was paying attention, but and this is a fun thing to talk about, just like how well attended drag races have been in 2023. I don't know what's like if there's something in the water, but it really is amazing. Like a couple of things that happened this past weekend is like we had streetcar bragging rights going on out at uh, the House of Hooks, uh, Carolina Dragway in Aiken, South Carolina. Big crowd, extremely well attended import face-off i mean this isn't a name that's like you regularly talked about in drag racing circles i mean hardcores know about it people in the promotion or track operator business probably know about it but import face-off has been around for like a decade and it was built on the back of like the fast and furious sport compact movement they had a they like sold out new england dragway this past weekend for import face-off i mean for anybody that thinks that that type of racing or that type of car culture has waned at all I think you may need to investigate this a little bit. But then we also had Cletus and Cars at Indianapolis uh, Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park in Brownsburg, Indiana. A two-day event that was coupled with uh, a really cool collaboration between Cletus and Cars and the NHRA Division Three, um, as well as he had his whatever it's the Cletus 800, their circle track deal with all the Crown Vicks at the Oval Track on Sunday. And man, I saw a slew of photos from this place, 400 race cars, and it was packed to the gills. I mean, I don't know that we can say enough positive about, I mean, how cool is it for top alcohol and top alcohol dragster and top alcohol funny car at a divisional race to get to race in front of packed grandstands? They had a match race between Cletus's mullet, El Camino streetcar and a top alcohol dragster. Tony Stewart goes on to win the deal. There's a burnout competition. I mean, are we seeing, I mean, we were just talking about all the changes that we want to see in the sport and the things that we think we could learn from, but I mean, is Cletus already there? I mean, I think he might be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a celebrity in the spot, but, you know, I think, and, and needle mover for sure. And it's, it's, it's yeah, it and, he stuck with, and he's stuck with it. And, he, and he's, he's invested about a lot back into it, you know, like buying that track down there and, you know, revamping everything and buying all these different cars. And I mean, he's really, he's put a lot into it. And, and the, the young crowd, he pulls a lot of the young crowd, which is great for, yeah for drag racing i couldn't Nate, believe Nate those pictures there. like yeah. i i was confused leah posted something like walking up the grandstands and i'm like wait i thought tony was racing at the divisional and i literally had to go check the schedule of if i missed when the division race was but that just goes to show remember back in the day you guys not you jt because you don't go to drag races but back in the <laughs> day whenever like we'd go to the houston national and there'd be bmx guys out there do it ripping off of the whatever the heck they call those things that they do while we had oil downs and stuff. And I mean, and then it kind of digressed into the Traxxas cars doing stuff, but like putting on a show 
while you're doing this, drag racing is, you know, in the flow world, the biggest struggle that I have is trying to fill downtime, truck prep time, oil downtime, crash time, and put the race aside. Even if that was just the exhibition stuff with the donuts and the wheelies and the burnouts and stuff like proof is in the pudding. People want to watch stuff. Yeah, I mean, they had a car show, again. drag race. I mean, yeah, they had a car show, drag racing. Yeah. They had a burnout competition. Uh, and this burnout deal has really taken on a life of its own. I mean, this has been around for a long time in Australia. These They call it a skid, and they have these legit burnout competitions. And people literally come from far and wide to see these guys cut donuts. And it's for me, I'm almost blown away that it's taken this long for it to gain any traction, that's an interesting pun, um, or lack thereof here <laughs> in the state. But I think it took somebody like Cletus, somebody that's got like big influence, has a huge audience, a super dedicated following to say, like, put his stamp of approval on it. Because I, we're we, going to we see did, more like and more and more shops start to build cars specifically for that shit. We There's no time, doubt in right? my mind. When you get when you get a new set of tires, you're like, ah, I can't wait to go burn the hell out of these. You know, <laughs> I mean, there are people well building yeah. purpose built oh, yeah. cars. Lyle to, won one, didn't he? Yeah, Lyle won yeah. one in um, Charlotte. I think it was out maybe at m- the Charlotte Motor Speed. I can't remember where that one was, but I just think it's interesting that Cletus has got what he has going on. The thing I think I want to give kudos to is shout out to NHRA and everybody involved. I'm yeah, I w- I've I heard say. through the grapevine that. They basically told him that we won't let you rent the track if you don't let us run a division race in conjunction with it. Like they, you know, I may be talking out of turn here, but they, but they, they kind of leaned on him, you know, saying like, Hey, we'll happily rent you the track or whatever, but we need to do this in conjunction. And I just, it's nice to know that the NHRA is thinking outside of the box because that's not something that they're necessarily associated with. I mean, that's very surprising to me, but a huge home run. Well, they've got some, uh, fresh thinkers in there we sat down and talked to several uh at charlotte and and they're they've got their eyes and ears open and are watching what's going on in the sport and i think obviously cletus is sort of the the primary needle mover in this stuff we're talking about but you've got to have a multifaceted event and it's got to be entertaining i feel like the most all those the younger people everybody that was there knew they were going to have an entertaining fun day it wasn't going to be yeah. like we were talking about a four-day grind with only drag racing. There's going to be all this different stuff going on, something for everybody, and that's how you've got to use these facilities and use this time. So you've got, like you said, the divisional race going on, but there were people that were there that probably had no idea that an NHRA divisional race was happening. And on the other end, right. you know, maybe someone didn't know, that, yeah. know, know right. who Cletus was, but, and they were there for the divisional, and now they, they see this. So it's like you've got to mix those things together. We see the uh, Stampede of Speed, I think, is a great example of that as well doing all these different things throughout the week. That's what you have to do today. You can't just have a drag race. They did it at Charlotte a few years ago, didn't they? They had like uh, some drifting stuff going they on. Did, yeah. In the, that in the cool. pits. Yep. I actually yeah. thought that was really well received. Like they were, I mean, every time there was downtime, cause I remember rolling up to park in that media lot, which is, you know, shout out to Z max dragway. They like, that's the only track oh, in the country that like really seems to like make, the media a priority so thank you bruton smith marcus smith everybody um because holy moly that's convenient but i was parking my car and you hear like squalling tires and see Mm -hmm. smoke and i'm like dude they don't even run cars until whatever i was getting there early i was proud of myself and then i go bebopping through the pits and like holy shit they've got like a drift exhibition set up over here i do think that adopting more of that festival vibe because there's certain parts of drag racing that we're not going to be able to change like 
this deal is a little bit set in our ways, admittedly, and there, this has been the format for 70 years. I mean, these are day-long, multi-day events, and it is, like, if we're going to try to get an entire drag race over, it's just at a scale that that's very hard to do. You know, so you have to find other ways to you do it, to and keep, that's entertain people all day long, you know, you, do, you have to things. keep them entertained because people's uh, pe people today are so busy, you know, and both parents are working and, you know, kids, I mean, soccer just, just, practice. yeah, just the, the sports alone for kids anymore. You know, they're now they're on traveling teams. They're having probably probably have three or four uh, times as many practices as we had. JT at that age. loving his kids being in sports and on the oh, yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I love that they pick up soccer all of a sudden, too. You know, that's great. But but I'm just saying. And then, and then, you know, if somebody has like two seconds free, they're looking at their phone, they're on That's Facebook, right. they're, yep. they're flipping through Instagram or whatever. Like people are wired anymore to want to be entertained 24 seven. Like or be entertained up, while you're being entertained. Right. I saw this, I yeah. saw this deal like on Instagram. Show, with me. Looking, yeah. It's like it says Netflix needs a category that's that's called easy to follow while I look at my phone the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> because people turn on Netflix. Oh, I need to watch something on Netflix. And then you're on your phone. I mean, there's all these there's multiple things going on and kind of that same point. Wes, do you remember the, the drifting thing you're talking about? I think I don't know who we heard from. Maybe it was someone from the track or from NHRA talked about. Yeah, that deal kind of worked a little too well. Because we ended up with so many fans, especially kids, younger fans, piled around that deal doing the drifting while, like, you know, I maybe wonder not why the they never did that again. That right. out. It's exactly why. Because it actually was like too successful. And everybody ended up watching that deal instead of watching, like, you know, the stuff that they're supposed to be there watching. It cannibalized the NHRA show a little bit. So. There's definitely a just it, like there's a there's a yeah. learning like what they should have done is just learned from that and said like hey we're gonna have to we're, we're gonna have to it's a double edged sword and you know what they're probably not gonna watch super comp if they can watch that so be it but time but, it out but time it yeah and shut it off whenever I, I just, top I alcohol is running it, or, it just was I, going yeah. all day all day twenty four seven I think it's it reminds me of like a music festival I I think that some of the most I mean and this is. Dude, some of the most successful events in the world are music festivals, right? And now, granted, music is this like universal language that brings everybody together. And it's, you know, it's, it's, I'm not trying to make like a direct comparison to music and motorsports. However, it's like a main stage and stage B and stage C and stage, you know what I mean? Like, that's how all those events work is that you've got your main stage that Metallica is going to play on, but then you have all these up and coming acts playing on these smaller stages and, I mean, that's just, I do think, but you don't have a small act playing on top of Metallica. You know what right. I mean? You have to coordinate all of it. So I think that if there's just given a little bit of time, one thing that, I mean, we all struggle with this, like you do something once and it doesn't work out exactly perfect and you punt. And it's like, now some of this stuff you've got to stay the course with. I had a conversation yesterday with someone about, uh, with a guy talking about the World Series of Promod and like what our plan for the future was and how we felt the first year went. And I, I really, I told them that, like we learned a lot year one. We really treat this event like our first time doing it. Now, granted, we've done events in the past, but this was in this incarnation or whatever down partnered with Bradenton Motorsports Park. This was basically our first at bat. And I feel like year one is when you provide proof of concept. You show people what you can do. Year two is really about consistency and proving that you can do it at that level again. You can bring that level of enthusiasm. You can bring that level of excitement. You can improve slightly, but it's really about consistency. 
And it's year three, four, five when you really start to like plant your flag on the moon and, and show the world what you're capable of. But a lot of times people give up too soon. I think there's like a universal lack of patience in like maybe all of society, but specifically in our sport yeah. where it's like, dude, this shit takes a little bit of time. I mean, anytime I have someone hit me up about, oh, we should do this or we should do that. The first thing I ask is like, do you really have the patience? Because it is not. Actually, uh, one of our sponsors, and I'm drawing blank on his name, uh, Doug Winter's sponsor, the Steinar guy. Steinar. Um, I don't know if you Craig. remember his name. Craig. Craig Nick actually Krug wrote a book. Craig nice. nice. Yeah. He, great job, man. Craig wrote a book that I recently read. Me and read JT in, hung out with Craig at uh, First World Door Slammer Nationals. In yeah. Orlando. I think it was a rough night for y'all, right? Yeah. yeah uh, slightly. Every night's a rough <laughs> night. <when you're> <laughs> uh, but he wrote a book, and he said, if you get rich quick – you're probably going to jail. The big guy. Yeah. And you know what? That's the title of the book. If you get rich quick, you're probably going to jail. And you know what? There's a lot of truth to that because it's, I think about it even with Drag Illustrated. We've been doing this for almost 20 years. I mean, we launched Drag Illustrated in October of 2005. And I bump into some of these content creators and some of these up and coming podcasters or YouTubers or magazine guys or whatever. And they're a year in and they're ready to quit you know what i mean they're three years in and they're getting disappointed and it's like hey man this takes a long long time and i think that patience is really what is universally lacked like that giving up on drifting that could have been i'm, I'm pissed perma pissed at drifting they stole our shtick like drag racing did does burnouts you guys stole our shtick <laughs> right i mean i'm perma pissed at all drifting people because they're stealing our shine all but them. all of them, I don't all from top down, don't like any of them. <laughs> they stole our shtick. But my point is like, we shouldn't have punted on that so quick. Like it worked well. And then it, like, like just because it wasn't perfect, I'm just saying we can use them. Use oh, them up. Okay, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's fine. You know, that's like, hey, man, people. if we can bring some fresh eyeballs and kind of keep people excited doing burnouts at the drag strip. I mean, that's what the drag strips for. What are we doing? But we gave up too quick. Like, well, it was kind of taken away. It was cannibalizing, like Mike said, our crowd for the drag races. So let's just scratch well, and how it. How about this part? How about let's this part too? This for a while. They bought the ticket. The They're buying shorten. the beer. They're buying the funnel cake. Yeah. What about the short? Shorten the burnout. Shorten that bad boy up. Mm. Barely. I want you to just spin these tires one time in this water. I don't even want to see any smoke come off of them. That's what we're doing <laughs> in drag racing, in a lot of yeah. these classes today. And that's that's a, a sort of a, you know, back to what we were saying. The smoke, the burnout, part of what makes drag racing, we've taken that away. We've like over-optimized the performance of the cars and what we figured out what works and what doesn't. You used to think, I've got to do a crazy-ass burnout. we got to pop a gigantic wheelie. This thing's <laughs> got to be all over the track, all this stuff to get this car down the track, to get traction. And now we, we do none of that. So, you know, we only Thank have ourselves God, Big burnouts away. haven't really gone away in door slammer racing because, and we we have to like, you know, we have to hang on to this because there's been a handful of times when I've seen like a pro stock car an NHRA do like a really short or a bad burnout or not do a burnout at all. Right. And then still will go up there and run. And I'm like, hey, sons of bitches, don't you get any ideas? You know what I mean? Don't you be getting any ideas that you can make a run without doing a burnout? You know, because I don't care if it's necessary or not. We mustn't. I mean, we let we stopped setting the cars on fire during the we, we punt. We gave up on fire burnouts which dis which is disappointing 
but <laughs> we cannot give up on just regular tire smoke burnouts. Whenever they do the um, Friday night stuff and Jason Logan's up there and they have like walkout songs for the fuel guys and the funny car guys, well, knowing me, they weren't doing it for pro stock. So I went up there. I'm like, what do we have to do? You know, I can, I can gather everybody's songs. Like what's the deal. And their response was the fact that the, the time that they were doing these songs for the fuel guys was, you know, when they were plugging them in, when they were spitting nitro in there, when they were getting ready to go do the burnout, because our time that's wasted, they said, comes from burnout to wheelie bar set and go. And they just couldn't feel like they could fill it then. And so as soon as they said that, I'm like, oh, well, we're not shortening up the burnouts. We're not doing that. That's door slammer racing right there. So we nixed the music idea. What would be your walkout song, Courtney? I don't race. I'm I, Courtney for the second time today. I'm just kidding. I know. I said, what would be your walkout song? I mean, like everybody has their song, like be a walkout song. I ask people that all the time. JC, really, what's yours then? I've got a bunch of them. I really, yeah, I really like the one. I don't know. I would probably do one that was, um, it's kind of new. It's like girls as play as two. No. Oh, yeah. That I is like actually that a good one. Song. But we did have on the shake and bake show. They'd said something about it and like 500 people wrote in and said, crazy bitch was mine. So I guess crazy. <laughs> bitch <was> mine. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Buck I, Cherry. So, yeah. yeah. So NHRA basically Ain't said no sunshine that, in it. that I would be yeah. a DMX. Yeah. Damn it. Um, or it'd be like, hurf, hurf. Yeah. you know, like we would do rough riders. Right. You know, Mine, like, changes all the time. Yeah. Regulators. <laughs> I feel like NHRA picks out those songs for some of these drivers. Like some when they come they out there, I'm like, but I will say this song. they give the <laughs> they give the opportunity when it does happen. And when before COVID, when they did find a place to do it for the, the last pair of pro stock, like I had to have Jason a song an hour before because of it. But God, some of these guys, some of these older guys that were like, mm-hmm. I don't care. I mean, pick a song for me. Songs. I can see that happening. Yeah. yeah you, and, can't, and, you can't, you can't let them pick some, but they would like, come, they would come forward song, with some that were know? just, awful like a 1972 battle and this is where i think as the whole sport because here i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna name names here and and i'm not like frustrated but just as an example oh shit um yeah here we go one of i think it's really easy and we we get this right here on this show that it seems like there's hardly a week that goes by we don't see somebody in the comments say something like oh we're gonna bash on nhra you know and we're not we're just we're providing feedback we're having a conversation we're talking about drag racing is what we do but you know what you know who's also guilty in this whole like lack of promotional effort or the racers themselves because there are so many of these racers that will not play ball like just refuse to entertain the notion i mean i can't count the number of times we've had guys like turn down interview opportunities or be too busy to do an interview or don't have time and it's like Okay, but this is the you same group of people. Names. You said you're going to name It's coming. Um, <laughs> it's coming. You know, but guys, you can't have it both ways. You know what I mean? We can't be bent out of shape that we don't have more sponsors. We don't have more fans or we're not selling more merch or look at all the merch those street outlaw guys are selling. Yeah, no They're shit. Playing. They put in the work. They're playing the game. They're willing participants. And the naming names is just I was disappointed this past weekend. I was literally looking for quotes yesterday from NHRA top alcohol and top alcohol, top alcohol dragster and top alcohol funny car racers. I was thinking, surely somebody that was racing at the Division Three race at Cletus and Cars had something gracious to say about this huge crowd that showed up to watch them race. Fucking zero. None. What? Yeah, I literally looked and I went down the qualifying list and searched all these people up on social, right? So I'm like, okay, who's the number one qualifier? All right, type them into Facebook. Nothing. No posts. Nothing. Number two qualifier. 
type them into Facebook. No posts, nothing. I mean, there was like a handful like lost in E1, but like no mention Robbie Massey, a good buddy of mine from Ankeny, Iowa, uh, known him since he was literally like five years old, a junior dragster racer. He ran top alcohol funny car there. He made a post. It was like cool environment. And I'm like, he was the only person that I saw that even acknowledged the fact this is probably the biggest crowd that has ever been assembled for a divisional race in history ever. ever. And I'm going, but this is, it just kind of supports my argument here that it's like, guys, it's going to take all of us. You you know what I mean? Because we can all complain and bag on the NHRA and bag on whomever the track owner or the promoter. It's going to take all of us. It's, I said that to our pro mod group. Uh, with the World Series of Pro Mod. Like, hey, man, I'm all for taking, I love the, the, love the attention. It's fantastic. And I love everybody heaping praise on me, but it's not going to be just me. It's going to take all of us. And they, they delivered. I mean, like still to this day, our racers at the world, from the World Series of Pro Mod are still promoting our event for us. I mean, they're still talking about it. They're still posting on social. They're still anything they can do. And that's a group of people that get it. You know, that, and anytime that, I walked into their pit, they were more than more than willing. And I know it's not that way everywhere, but you made it you made it very clear that that's what you had to do. I invited you here. This is my playground and let's amp it up. And everybody and yeah. it's it's tough, but it there are people that probably deserve to get invited to that race that didn't because I, they weren't willing to play ball, you yeah. know, and I need people that will be willing to play ball. I'm going to invite you know, uh, a guy that, you know, maybe is a fringe dude or someone who like Scott Palmer. I mean, I don't think he'll be insulted in his car. I mean, he's a little behind the curve. You know, he's just kind of getting back into pro modified. He's got a clutch car. He's doing it as hard as the way possible. Um, And that's why we all love him. But he is so willing to play the game. I mean, I, I can't imagine how many tickets Scott Palmer personally sold for the World Series of Pro Mod by posting things on social media, telling people to come connecting people with me tell much it, it meant tell, telling people how much it meant to mm-hmm. to him you know to actually be invited to it and he's got a huge following anyway because he is he's like the people's champion right he really is man and I, I think we saw guys that we didn't expect kind of step out of their shell too especially on the tv show yeah uh, when the when that mic goes in their face the camera goes in their face the lights come on um, they're the stars now they've yeah. never been the star well, of the show before like guys that are more on the quiet side like randy weatherford comes oh, to mind and he was great on the TV show and Fantastic. he's a guy you don't hear from very much. Of course, you got like Jason Harris and, and some others that you, you know, performed. I thought as Jason expected. Harris and uh, I thought J.R. Gray did a really good job. Yeah, on did, did a great, great job. Spencer, no, did great. Spencer did awesome. Yeah. Even Marcus Burt was starting to talk a lot. Yeah. And so, because, and like you said, Courtney, they knew that going in, they knew that this was going to be different. This was part of it more. So maybe it's just a mindset thing. Maybe they were prepared for that and, and knew that was going to be part of it. But do you run into that a lot? Like I'm, I'm always interested to, to hear like how, how frequent is that for you to just get told, no, not right now, or I'm too busy. So and- much more than you would think. And then it's once we're during the week, whether it's before or after the race, Courtney, can you post this for right. us? Courtney, can you write this for us? And it's like, yeah, but you kicked me out of your pit 10 times. And it's not always bad. You know, like I get it. If you're, I go scope it out and check the temperature of the room, if you will. And if they're tearing mm-hmm. something apart, whatever. But I mean, I've straight up had guys tell me, oh, I don't like the camera. No, I'm, I'm good. And then Monday morning, they hit me up like, hey, do you have any pictures of me or any of this of me? And it's like, <laughs> no. I no. don't. Think how, much easier, to go. think how much easier it is for you than it is for us. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's oh, fair. Yeah. Courtney, come over here. No, JT, you can stay over there. Yeah. I also don't really <laughs> take no. I'm like, Halsey, Halsey's so funny and he's great. He does whatever, but you know, he's shy and 
his banquet speech at PDRA last year, I think was 13.4 seconds, which was the longest he's ever done. But he's so funny. He sees me coming and he acts like he's going to run. And I'm like, if you don't want to do an interview, like stop winning everything, dude. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it it is a time. And I think that like, I don't want it to come across like any of us here are scolding anyone, but we're just, we're asking for help because I think all of us recognize like circling back around to the beginning of this conversation is that, the most exciting thing for me in 2023 when it comes to drag racing is that there is so much left to do. Like I know in my heart that this is the great American motorsport. I look at formula one NASCAR, all, even the Kentucky Derby. What is like the most exciting thing that could happen at any of those aforementioned events, a drag race breaking out two horses side by side coming across the finish line two two NASCARs, uh, stock cars coming out of the final turn side by side, a drag race to the checker. Like that is the best possible scenario in every other sport, in every other was, racing sport. That, yeah, the there dark was. Horse was coming at literally the dark horse, but also the dark horse metaphoric. He was coming in hot. And I remember saying right. out loud, like we got a drag race boys. And, and <laughs> like, I hear it all the time and I literally get goosebumps. The hair stands up on my arms because yeah. I'm like, how in the world can a sport that has that weekend and week out, Right. We get we have that every Saturday, every Sunday. We got a drag race breaking out. Yeah. All these other sports are praying that it happens, hoping that it happens. And we have it every weekend. Yet collectively, we're like we're kind of, you know, hanging back. I was going to say some other stuff, but in this like super politically correct world, I didn't know which one of them would get me in trouble. But like, (laughs) you know, we are we're playing from behind as a sport. And I think that it's going to take the reminder, the lesson or whatever that I want people to take away from this is not that anybody's doing anything wrong. It's just that if we want to get this sport where it rightfully belongs, I truly believe this is the great American motorsport. We have it's not going to be just NHRA. It's not going to be Fox. It's not going to be just Drag Illustrated or whatever or just the shake and bake. I mean, it's. All of these things help, but it's going to take all of these people swimming in the same direction, recognizing that like, hey, there's an opportunity here. Car culture's on the rise. I mean, you can't watch TV without watching somebody spinning a wrench. I mean, it's incredible. Some of this is, is that they're humble, you know, and they're so humble yeah. and, and that, that they, oh, no, I don't want to do that. You know, like, but you, you're going to have to treat it like a big deal if you want it to be a big deal. Play into it. It's yeah. a role. Yeah. It's a switch. I say it constantly when I get home, like. My switch has been on. I feel, I have imposter syndrome times 1000 with what I'm doing now, going from behind the scenes to what it is. But it's like, like you said, I mean, you got to step up and almost fake it till you make it. And if the space is there, like, let's put on a show. Yeah, 100%. You basically have to do these things as if the world is watching. You know, it may be eight people, right? You know, but it's, you have to, you have to act as if you have to. And otherwise it never will be the case, you know? And I mean, so many of these things, I mean, I have uh, a guy that always tells me, like, be careful of what I write on a legal pad because, like, it'll happen. You you know what I mean? Like, if you do this stuff enough and you put in the effort enough and you, like I said, you make those scribbles and notes and chicken scratch enough. You got a genie or something? Things start to happen, (laughs) man. You know, and it's just, it's true. I mean, but you got to act as if. You got to just be putting in, doing, going through the motions, putting in those, you know, whatever reps and sets, like they say. My dad always uh, told me to dress for the job you want. I think about that a hundred times a day whenever I'm like get nervous when that red light comes on on the camera. Dress for the job you want. Act for the job you want. <laughs> I don't think there have been uh, truer words ever spoken, truly. I mean, it's that is so important. And that's what I see. The, the people that are having success in our sport and really breaking through are the people that are leaning into it. 
like Garrett, Garrett Mitchell, Cletus McFarland. I don't think he ever thought when he threw that goofy accent on and did that one video one time. for 1320 video, that this would be something that would turn him into a multimillionaire, right? Yeah. And a legit celebrity, but he's leaned into it. Look at all the street outlaw, no prep Kings guys. I mean, all of the ones that have really had success are the guys that are going, you know what? I'm all in. I'm doing it. Like, I'm going to be a TV personality. I'm going to do the live interviews. I'm going to talk to the camera. I'm going to post on social. I'm going to stand and sign autographs. I'm going to do all those things. And it seems only just, only just that they're the ones that reap the reward, right? I mean, yeah, because they put the bad stuff on there too. You know, a lot of times. Yeah, you have to be willing to have that bad stuff on there. That's, I think, a big thing. Handle that to, to reap the rewards of, of the good stuff eventually. So yeah, we, talk about, easy, right? we talk about drag racers all the time. No, nah, I don't want to do any social media really until I've won a couple championships, set a couple records maybe. And then I'll start, you know, getting my stuff out there. I'm not going to put any of this, you know, me blowing shit up or crashing or whatever the, you know, but the you, struggle. that stuff. Yeah. The struggle. And we, we talk about that a lot, but, um, Courtney, let's talk a little bit about, uh, about flow. You guys are kind of branching out to me a little bit it, doing this stuff like you, the Australia uh, deal this past weekend. And then uh, we just, you just put it on our radar here. Something you guys are doing with the big rig drag racing scene. Wes has been a big fan the, of this for a long time. Haven't yeah. You? We actually did feature yeah. some big rigs, yeah. two big rigs. Uh, dude, it was like one in one of our earliest issues of the magazine. Do you remember that West wasn't like oh, yeah. on a street in Detroit or something like that where they were having this. this I think it little, might've been in Canada. Oh yeah. Canada. That tr- right. Yeah. Most yeah. of it comes from there. Yeah. So yeah. like, is that, What's your involvement been in that, in sort of getting the the flow uh, universe Flowing. focused on some of these other, some of these other uh, aspects of of racing and drag racing in particular? Um, it's pretty cool because they. So we've got something that I learned with flow is you know like at Drag Illustrated and the little things we do in drag racing. It's usually just one group and we tackle everything. Things are very structured and very departmentalized there and. Um, the team that goes out and finds these races and decides what we're doing, you guys are familiar with Kendra Jacobs and uh, Chris McKee, they go exploring and they just search the web and they talk to people and they go just wild on the boundaries and, and then come to us. I'm a, a subject matter expert is actually, which is terrifying, but that's what they call me at flow um, and wow. kind of get our feedback. I know it's really scary. Get our feedback on, you know, would this work with our market? Um, that kind of thing. And so we get a lot of things and we're like, no, I don't think that that's really worth worth the proof and the put in anything like that. But they came to us with the Australian top fuel market. Um, one day, only two events that we're doing, we're doing the final day, but top fuel was something that's never been on flow before. When I first came to flow, it was like, we want to get top fuel. We want to get funny car pro mod pro stock, like those four top classes. And they have all their weird verbiage from dirt, late model and stuff. And it's funny to hear the comparisons, but Amen. yeah, they're like, what's the main heats and this and that. I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't know, but these are the top four classes at the NHRA. And so um, they worked really hard to get this. And with global rights, we couldn't stream it in Australia, like all this nonsense that I didn't have anything to do with. But the fact that we were putting a top fuel car on flow for the very first time over in Australia over the weekend, and then Larry Dixon winning, which was really cool because that's just something that, um, flow fans and people in the United States that follow drag racing just gravitate towards. So venturing out and investing in things like this, that we don't know if people are going to subscribe to watch, but trying to enlighten 
the flow audience on this importance of it. And then uh, Kendra came to me a few months ago about the big rig stuff. And I've seen it, heard of it. I know it's really big on YouTube, but much like you said earlier, Wes, like I have tunnel vision. I have drag racing tunnel vision to the fullest and I can only have the bandwidth for what I can have the bandwidth for. And so we start doing all this research and there's Cletus level YouTube volume. There's millions and millions of views and subscribers that follow this stuff. So we've got our first big rig race coming up. I think it's next weekend. It's the Great Lakes Big Rig Challenge. And so I reached out to you guys of how we can introduce the drag racing market to this and kind of compare and contrast. It's a little bit similar, but a lot different. And, and I think that it falls into our market and doesn't have to live on its own. And so, um, so I think it'll be really cool because I know nothing about it and I'm going to be learning about it, but big smoke, big nonsense, big drag racing, man. I think that, that I, <laughs> I, awesome. I dig it. I, I dig it, man. And, but it, it, again, I, I just, sometimes I get so frustrated because dude, drag racing is so big. Like those so drag racing, there's so many different kinds. There's, I mean, it's, it's incredible. RC cars. It's like a whole thing popping off crazy. Um, the, the big rig stuff. I mean, even electric cars, they're having events specifically for electric cars. The drag racing, this is such a, such an enormous sport that it's, I think sometimes it's hard for us really to wrap our heads around it. Um, I got to tell you though, it was exciting to see Larry Dixon win a top fuel. It was cool. I I miss seeing his name as like the in as part of the headlines and the news reels. Well, and then honest. Will Smith is is partnering up with him and running Chicago. Oh, yeah. So he's he's uh making his appearances recently. I just looked this up 6.7 million views from this race last year on YouTube and it's just like truckers with shipping containers on the back just like we said with the Kentucky Derby drag racing. Like I can't believe I've never been into this. You got a guy starting with flags it's freaking crazy. So I appreciate you guys helping and leaning in. Well, but it, it shows you that it doesn't have to be complicated. No. Right? I mean, and that's one of our, like, as our as a that. sport, drag racing, that's like one of our probably biggest, like perhaps our most significant Achilles heel is that we are going to find a way to make this shit complicated. Oh my God. As complicated <laughs> as possible. We're going to prep the track for four hours. Uh, we're going to scrape it after that because it's not right. Index classes. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I had an interesting conversation with NHRA that I thought was cool and with a couple of dudes at NHRA and they were talking about how they love, obviously we're, I think what I had brought up, which shout out to Craig Cook, there's a great article on dragillustrated.com kind of discussing streetcar takeovers, uh, 10 years of success, man. This is a deal kind of crazy 10 years already. It's unbelievable, dude. This deal kind of birthed out of the Kansas city, Missouri street racing scene really, uh, and has now become something of a, a nationwide drag racing phenomenon. I mean, they, they sell out of tech cards. They pack places full of fans. Uh, they do a lot of the things that we just talked about. They got a party one night and a dyno competition. They got a car show. And there's all these things happen. There's influencers there. They're, they're doing a lot of things right. But the guys at NHRA, and it's cool that they're this tuned in. They said, well, we see that streetcar takeover as like the highest level, really, of of street enthusiasts like that's the john forces of the streetcar movement and they said that one of the things that is really kind of on their mind is how can we go after the sportsman or the grassroots streetcar guy that maybe will never go to a drag race i mean they they actually said to me we feel as an organization we have to find out how to have a drag race in like downtown fort worth 
you know, like not at a track or at these abandoned airfields or a bat at these, you know, some of these places where, okay, we're going to bring in some of those water barriers, you know, the, the yeah. movable barriers. And now granted you would have to have a performance limitation on it, but the example that they gave was, um, what road, uh, roadkill nights in Detroit on Woodward Avenue when they literally closed down a city street, yeah. that's got a freaking stoplight swinging by a wire above the road. Uh, they close it down. They put up all the barriers. Dodge is heavily involved. I think Dodge actually drives the bus on the whole deal. And like they said, is it like perfectly safe? You know, probably not necessarily, but it is. That's the type of thing that it's the lowest possible barrier to entry. You don't feel like you need a trailer. Uh, you don't need a truck and a rig and tools. And I mean, it's literally people driving their cars there, racing a little bit, having some fun, and then driving those exact same cars home. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and that's how they feel they can help grow the sport is that hopefully those kids or those people, maybe not even kids, would ultimately graduate up into streetcar takeover or graduate up into PDRA from streetcar takeover. Um, and I find that kind of interesting because that really does seem like the, the move is to find ways to partner with. I mean, Street Outlaws is doing it right. They're filming. They're getting permits to run these races from cities outside of Vegas or outside of these small towns in Texas. Yep. So clearly it can be done. I mean, F1's taking over the strip. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's I mean, yeah, clearly it can be done. It's very interesting. Have you seen how much those packages are for the F1 deal? Yes. Oh, yeah. But you talk about a moly. C and B seen deal. Yeah. Right? I mean, you're I think I mean tens of thousands of dollars for some of these packages. Yes. Christian oh, Horner yeah. did an, an, an interview at the Miami GP and said that the Las Vegas GP is going to be the biggest event in history, in the history of motorsports, the, the biggest, most well-promoted, most heavily hyped, probably most expensive to attend motor event in motorsports history. So we'll see. Yeah, I think I sent you, did Weston, I send you something yeah. the other day? Yeah, I did. It's in November, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And these these. I told Richard he should buy me a ticket for my birthday. It's on my birthday, and he basically told me to f off. The Lucky Eights experience <laughs> only eight hundred and eighty-eight thousand dollars. So oh, come on, but that, breaks, that breaks down to two hundred and twenty-two thousand a day. So it doesn't seem that bad, Bargain. right? I mean, that seems uh, yeah. doable. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like <laughs> if you could get a couple of people to go in on it, right? Yeah, you just share the single ticket. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, but again, is that not inspiring? I mean, it is to me. Like I think about the money that's being spent to like renovate various parts of Las Vegas, which is like a pretty badass city. Like it doesn't seem like it's struggling right now. You know, they're like redoing shut it down. Like that's yeah, to shut it down to, to put on a race. I just, I don't know, man. I, uh, there's a lot of really exciting things happening and I think it's going to, it, it, I do feel like, Again, these big crowds that we're seeing to start the season, uh, Gainesville sellout, Phoenix sellout. And I know there's there's sad stories out there. Phoenix potentially closing, Houston going away. Like there's don't get me wrong, there are sad stories out there. But man, it feels like motorsports in general. But do you feel like a- that that may have to do with almost the urgency of the success of it? Is like you know, kind of. I think JT, one of y'all said this on a show a few weeks back, and it it kind of triggered it with me. Is like when you think something's limited or exclusive or going away, you want to just like rip on and Phoenix, you know, Phoenix always had a great crowd, but that place was out of control Friday at noon. You couldn't move in that place. And is it because they promoted it it at the last race, you know? And so maybe it's almost like 
Well, we put it off off this many years. We better go see it before it's gone. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it's like every furniture store on the planet that's like perpetually having a going out of business (laughs) sale. Right. You know what I mean? It's like going out of business. Come get it. You know, and I think I mean, to me, yeah, the problem is that it's so hard. It's it gets to a point that that like becomes inauthentic. Like that was real. That's real scarcity. Like you better come to this deal because they're turning it into a shopping mall next year. So you better come. And I do think that that certainly helps, but it's how can you generate that repeatedly, you know, it is hard. I do think less is more in some regards. I want to, again, I'm, I'm a proponent of less NHRA races. I think every one of them would be better attended. I think they'd be better. I think you'd have more people attempting to compete for a championship or chase points, however you want to phrase it, if there were less of them. And I know those are like really tough decisions to make and a lot of heartache and, and, and like really you know, confrontational moments, but I think we'll actually see like losing Denver. Absolute bummer. I don't know that there, I don't know that there's a track on the tour that hits hard. Is there, let's ask that. Is there a facility in drag racing amongst the group that has like people have more of like an emotional attachment to, or like fond memories of more so than band of your speed? Aside from your your own yeah. home track, you know what I mean? But everybody knows the the drag strip carved on the side of the mountain. Shit, you can go to a Zach Brown band concert at Red Rocks. We would start the day by going to yoga with the girls in the morning in Red Rock, go take a hike. Like, there's nothing like that place. Yeah, it's so awesome. It I mean, really is. I mean, I don't think there's another nice facility. I've ever been to. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're like, God, there's some cool ones. You know, Pomona, obviously, is like iconic, historic. Um Bristol because it's Bristol. Bristol you know, but... is super cool. English Town um, was one we lost that. Yeah, a lot of people were. A lot of English Town had English Town had like real soul. That's it what did. I felt when I was there. Like it just there was like it almost felt like there were like ghosts there. I was just gonna say there were skeletons really? there. You know. Yeah, it, it had something that's still to this day probably my favorite. And I hated certain parts of it. Like the that deal was like almost entirely operated. I think by like the state police. Yeah. Do you remember that? Like if you yep. didn't have the right sticker on your credential, you were getting accosted by some cop and that shit drove me insane. I think that was like the first time <laughs> that I ever like flipped a real fit and like demanded that I get a hard card from NHRA. I'm like, yeah, Listen, yeah, that's I am when- not fighting these cops at the tower anymore. Like I need whatever I need to not get in trouble. Cause it wasn't like rent a cops. They were like state Actual. policemen, like real officers. It was kind of scary. They had that in Gainesville this year too, and there was may or may not have been a small incident with myself and one of them, but it was oh, same thing. Hmm. Oh yeah, it was not good. <laughs> yeah, what, what I mean, why are those guys there and in charge of that situation? Like, it's just up to the track. What kind of you know what kind yeah. of security? And at Gainesville, I know this for a fact. It was because they had to they shut the road down and make a make it go one way, and so the police were in charge of the flow of traffic in and out. So they had the the big gates coming in. I mean, I don't know if they were the ones on the starting line, but they were the ones that were, were monitoring as you come in. And then when you get into that ticket gate, because of the shutting down of the road, the place is bonkers. I think Gainesville is another one. That's like, you feel like you're somewhere special, you know, like it, it's got, it's a little like the new tower and stuff. It's got like some of the modern amenities and whatnot, but it's still, it has some it has some heart and soul for sure. When you go but, down the return road and you see all those people along the fence, you know it's a racer's racetrack when stands are full or not, and it's just that chunk of eighth mile on at the end of the racetrack. 
Yeah, that place is so freaking cool. special, man. It really – and that's the thing is like JT mentioned this on the show several weeks ago, but I do think that it's like it's, – it's a good analogy in that restaurants go out of business all the time, close down. It doesn't mean people stop eating. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean right. food has gone out of fashion. I mean, it's just – and it's tough. I mean, a lot of these guys – I mean, you can't fault the Bandemeers. I actually said this to Tammy Bandemeer at in Charlotte a couple of weeks ago that they they're they're taking a little bit of heat or whatever. But it's guys, yeah. how can anybody fault these folks? They have done more than their fair years. share. Sixty five yeah. years, they've done more than their fair share for for the sport and for a multitude of other things. I mean, and they were they, there working it. They were there working it themselves every weekend. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, you know, if the if the trash needed emptied, oh, you see the the. The traction Seriously. twins going down through there, emptying, emptying the trash, not sending somebody else to do it, you know? No, I mean, and they and they had like a big mission there. Like if you read John Vandermeer Jr.'s book, like, they, I mean, he literally is spreading the gospel. Like he's, yeah. I mean, he, he felt a reading like that was- program. Tammy's got a reading program for kids all over that place. And did you guys, I didn't know this and maybe I just tunnel vision again, but I didn't realize that CompuLink was kind of birthed underneath the Vandermeer umbrella did you guys know anything about that well and they're like the nation like the worldwide leader on CompuLink. like if yeah. you have a trouble with your timing systems you're calling larry crisp and yeah. um tammy vandermeer came on right off track last week and um actually on thursday i just posted the clip of it shameless plug go check it out but it's about a two minute clip of she explained that she when she was a teenager was working the time slip booth and they had little index cards and she had a computer screen and she had 30 seconds to write it out. So she would write like reaction time, 60 foot ET. And she went up to the tower and was like bitching to her dad. Like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. This job sucks. And that sparked the whole idea. And then CompuLink was birthed and they were printing time slips down there. I had no idea Damn. that that little story kind of came from there until Tammy started talking on my podcast. I'm like, no kidding. Do a, a temperature controlled starting line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like all the things that yep. they've done and the thing, that, the, one of the, the tire, the, the drag, the tire rotator, yeah, the drag. rotator. I mean, yep. so many things. I mean, they've made those spray tanks, the scraper deal that goes on the front of a skid steer. Uh, There's such an innovative group of people and it's all rooted in like drag racing. Like they're, yep. they're the realest of real, but they also, it's uh, it, that spirit of innovation, I think, will live on because I think that that's like the like I told Tammy Bandemir, the, the Bandemir legacy will live on forever. That place doesn't have running water, right? Yeah, like they literally or so. I mean, it's all pumped in water. I mean, it's all well water or whatever that's like on site in a, in a tank. So just to think of what they've been able to execute at that facility with all the logistical issues that they have being carved out of the side of a mountain, it's unbelievable and i do think that that's how their legacy continues in the sport is all those things i mean i didn't even know the time slip situation but from that to the rotator to the way they prep tracks and really i point to when we put the traction twins on the cover of drag illustrated jay mike how long ago was that when we had kale and cody crisp on the cover of the magazine man i, I think it's years almost 10 years, years now they I think that they really introduced this era that we're still in right now of like the track prep yep. guru they were the first guys that were like traveling around the country and in the world, going to Abu Dhabi, going to Bahrain, going to Qatar, going all over creation, prepping these racetracks. And they've really ushered in that new era of ultimate track prep, which we've talked at times, yeah. you know, some of it we've, we've argued that like, oh man, they actually, they set the bar so high for what is expected of a racetrack. It's tough, man. I mean, it's very difficult to live up to what, 
the the traction twins were able to produce you know back in the day i guess it's hard to believe and they've said that they they're looking to continue on i mean that'll be interesting to see what comes of that and and again no one can blame them if they don't and if they're done and they they've earned that but i think especially like we're talking about uh kale and and cody crisp that they you know being being the younger generation of that family they may have an interest in continuing on with that legacy that's somewhere else so like the hrp thing you know and i've never speak poorly about the angel family everybody has the right to do whatever but two generations uncle grandpa dad passed away and it was kind of just put on these kids and they had their own businesses and their own lives and you know just because we want it to continue doesn't mean that that's what their life needs to be devoted to but the vandermeer family is is very different in that sense and so i have i have hope that even partnering up with somebody like maybe not in Denver, there's a whole bunch of markets that have opened up that don't have drag strips anymore that could use something like that to where they're not having to put all their eggs in that basket, but they partner up with somebody. And I've heard a couple of little birdied things here and there, but um, I think it would be, I think it would be really cool if they continue, but also if they don't let's get off their back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I, if I have my guess or my bet, and this is what, if I were them, man, I know multiple track owners that sent their staff and I'm talking about like the, from the lowest rung guys to high level guys, they would send them to Bandamere for their major events just to watch and learn. Like, I mean, I've talked to multiple track owners who told me, Oh man, when I have a new hire, uh, the first thing I do is send them to the mile high nationals. I I call sporty. I call the Bandamere's and tell them that I'm sending them and I, I, you know, stay out of the way, but watch and learn, take notes because no one does it better. And I venture to say that Sporty Vandermeer and his crew, Larry Crisp and everybody else involved out there could, could stay busy for the rest of their lives just teaching people how to do it. Dude, and you know, then yeah. multiple drag strips flourish and not just one. And, yeah. and that's because that actually, and I, I think that this is like a fun, there is a silver lining. You got to look hard for it. But our only hope as a sport should be, I think, is that the Vandermeer family, now that they will not have to focus all their energy on Denver, Colorado, will be able to spread that. Because if that if that happens, and you talk about Sporty Bandemir and company having an involvement at tracks all around the country, that is a big, big positive for the sport of drag racing. And you can't fault them. I mean, they've been landlocked. You know, they've got, they've got to focus on Thunder Mountain. But now that maybe they don't have to focus on Thunder Mountain, I don't know that it would be the best thing now, granted, maybe they don't want to travel. Maybe they don't want to get away from home. I understand. There's all sorts of logistic things. And everybody, like you said, it's their life, not ours. But I think that that's the best possible thing that could come from this is them helping other promoters, helping other track operators for a living. I mean, it's a business. I mean, we're yeah. in an era of gurus and educators, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, holy moly, everywhere you look, there's a guru teaching you how to do something or how to do something better or get your certificate yeah. for this. I mean, I Watch know that I would pay you to go here. to the Bandamere boot camp, right? So, um, <laughs> all right, anyway, that, that place ran like a well-oiled machine when you showed Jeez, up. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was crazy. Norwalk is another one that always comes to mind. The Bader family, yeah, and that's somewhere you'd send someone to to learn how it's done. Well, and they even issued, the they even issued a press it. release recently. Did you see this? Uh-huh. about how, that they're going to finally have to raise the price of their ice cream. Yes. That they've held the line on the dollar for a pound of ice cream for all these years through who knows how many price increases and all the inflation. And finally, it's, it's you know, 
too much. And so I, I forget what the number is now, but it's three bucks. I think extremely. I knew it was coming. It number. wasn't in the media center yeah. for the number one qualifiers and winners this year. And that's so <laughs> funny. That's the first thing Erica said when we got up there, she said, well, I wanted to get ice cream. They're like, Oh, we can't do it. No more free ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, times are changing, but that's another family that has, has devoted who knows how many, how much resources and, and time and energy and generations to the sport. And, you know, at some point, maybe in a, in a similar type of deal with the Vandermeers. While we're here solving all the world's problems, how about, are you guys excited for that? I mean, two things that I'm particularly excited about and Courtney, one of these I know is near and dear for you. We got the pro stock call out coming up uh, in a week at Chicago, but just in general, the thing that I'm excited about is drag racing's return to route 66 raceway in Joliet, Illinois. Um, what's your thoughts, man? I mean, a, I think it's exciting that drag racing is in, it seems I've never understood why that didn't work or what the issue was. Yeah. I think, yeah we're getting a track back. We talk about all losing tracks. Like, yeah, we're getting one week, back. It seems we're getting yep. one back. Let's and do drag racing. Chicago, Illinois is like a hotbed for this shit. Like there, I mean that I've never really understood how, I don't know if that's a classic example of a place being so big that it was just an impossible task to fill it. I don't know. I mean, it's like a legit stadium-style seating drag strip, uh, but I'm glad to see it back on the tour, and it's cool that the NHRA Pro Stock call-out is there. Um, I know they had a media call, I think, uh, this week. What's what's the latest on that? Who's Erica? Gonna, is she going to get to call someone out, or is she going to get called out? Yes, so they do it. It's the the top eight from last year, so I'm cheating here. We've got Erica, Christian, TJ, Dallas, Hartford, Koretsky, Aaron, and Camry. And so of those four today, actually, as soon as we started um, filming the show, they, uh, I'm sorry, yesterday, they did a uh, press conference with all eight of the drivers. Media could be there, ask questions. No call outs have happened yet. But before I even get into that, I just think that this is so cool. And I always preach this and I always get crap for it. But they always start with top fuel and funny car with cool stuff like this. And I get it. The shootouts. Um, the call outs, anything that they do, they experiment with and they see if the market can handle it at the top level. But I think that pro stock has always been so much more competitive and so much closer of racing. And there's always been, you know, all these little battles and the KBs versus the elites and the Warrens versus all the things like there's just I feel like it's grittier, it's grungier. And so this has since the call out came out with the fuel, this has been a pro stock thing to me that I feel like it would have just slam dunk in the pro stock world and that's that's looking like what it's going to do and it's a bunch of young people that's something that's the most surprising to me is you know we've got we've got greg anderson i don't know i may have just misspoken then it's not the top eight i don't know why he's not in there i'm gonna fact check i'm gonna have to figure that out but pro stock has always been known as like the old man's club right like the gearhead but this is you got two chicks and you probably got all of them under 40 i'm pretty sure i don't know how old matt hartford is and i think that's huge for pro stock. So we're going to have a ton of media with pro stock this weekend, Friday, they get up on stage. Nobody knows who's calling anybody out until we get up on stage. Um, and I think that it's, I think it's going to be way more raw than people think. Like, I think Matt Hartford will be excited that you think that he's under 40. Is he not? Well, I mean, his hair is blonde. I can't tell. <laughs> I've been thinking about doing that just as a side note. You're I'm, going blonde. He's, he's thinking about dyeing it. my hair. He, blonde. He's stuck with it long enough oh, that boy. it's back now. I just that blonde, up with, it. If you, that blonde if you with that red skin would, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I, I was thinking about doing like the whole, the, like the bleach blonde, like Eminem. Yeah, I, I know like exactly Matt what you're saying. That's what yeah. Let's find out how old Matt Harford is. I got to But know real quick, don't you think the thing. Oh. Dude, oh, he's, 
Oh, he Matt's fifty one. What? Really? The blonde is working. Okay, really? We got one guy over forty on this. Yeah, deal. Matt. Hart's I thought right Matt here. was probably forty one. Me too, Jay. Oh, I thought it was like early forties, mid forties. January eighth, nineteen seventy two. That makes him fifty one, right? That is impressive. Way to go, Blondie. Hey, man. Yeah. yeah. How about it? Well, don't you think pro stock's just a little chippier? Like you were it saying, is. grungy and gritty. But man, it's like. I, I used to tell people this and they wouldn't really believe me, but like the, the pro the staging lanes during pro stock, they're like, it's not a friendly place. You, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, it's really not like it's uh you go there and you can feel the chippiness. Like you're just, no one's, it's not like high fives and hugs, you yeah. know? And I mean that it's just really not. So I, that's uh, what I have struggled with, with both the funny car call out deal and the top fuel call out is those classes just, they're not very chippy. And it seems like it's a, I mean, look at how big of a deal it was when there was a little bit of chippiness between Josh Hart and Sean Langdon. I mean, like that story literally almost crashed our server at dragillustrated.com because I think it's so out of character. Right. Like none of that, that doesn't happen in fuel racing really. Oh, and it is, is, it is alive and well in pro stock. And it's funny, we'll get people, you know, the social media, the keyboard warriors, and even people at our ropes that are like, you know, oh, it must be fake. Like y'all are, it's not, it's not <laughs> like we respect each other. And, and I think the, the KB elite thing, the Erica Greg thing, like that's definitely fizzled out. Greg is a great guy. He comes over, jokes around all that. But I think that that's because the rivalry went on so long. It was so good and so intense that it almost is like a respect level thing. And it's like, okay, we've gotten past you, it. It's you get to it at some point. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. now it's, you've got all these Erica, young kids. It's time for Erica to snap another photo in front of his trailer with the with the trophy. Do you yeah, remember that? that thing so back up. tell us, why it. don't you tell that story? Because <laughs> like JT may not even know about this. So yeah. like, so, so for, I mean, we didn't win a race for 10 years that Erica was running pro stock and Greg Anderson went on TV. And again, this is no heat towards Greg. We joke about this all the time. I love GA. Um, he went on record saying that somebody was going to be the first to lose to the girl, I quote, and it wasn't going to be him. And so Erica raced him in the finals a couple of times, didn't come through. And then in Chicago in 2012, she actually ended up beating him in the finals. And whoever was interviewing back then, I don't even remember, kind of asked him about it. And they said, you said you weren't going to be the guy. And he owned up and said, I have to eat my words here. So we leave the winner's circle, all of that. And um, Erica's walking by the trailer and our sponsor at the time, Gaston Kirby, um, God rest his soul, he passed away. Great guy. Um, passed his trailer and Erica has the uh, trophy in her hand, fire suit half up. And he's like, pause, let me take a picture. And she just posts it up. And before social media was rowdy as it was, I think that we were one of the first people to just unhinge drag racing social media with that. And I mean, you'd have thought Erica just like threw up some kind of gang <laughs> sign or did something traumatic. But in her defense, like he said, he wasn't going to be the one. He was the one. And little Erica with her first win ever becoming the first female to do that. That was just a really cool monumental moment to be able to beat the guy who was the best that's doing it at the time. And we got so much, so much flack. Dude, that. that deal. Like that was, that was a big that was a big awesome. deal. I remember seeing that. They still talk a, about it. And that's a cool, right. that's cool uh, tie in back to Chicago, uh, yep. going back to Chicago again this weekend. That's where Erica got her first win, the first win for a female in pro stock history. Put her on the cover of the magazine with that shot. Uh, 
down there on top end as she was doing the interview. So I watched what, that what interview cool the other day on YouTube. Just like I was actually like just scouring the internet for content and whatnot, looking for ideas. And I came across that fateful day in 2012. And it was funny because I was blown away. Um, she killed the interview. Even then, even then. And it almost, if you closed your, her, your eyes, she sounded, I mean, she called, uh, what is his name? Gary Gerald. She like, she Gary does Gerald. that same thing where she always, which is a great interview skill. Like if for those that are paying attention, like she talk, she mentions Repeats the name the of the name. person she's talking to. So it's like, Oh, thank you so much, Amanda. When she's talking to Amanda Busick, she did the same thing with Gary Gerald. However many years ago in 2012, when she beat Greg in the final, um, what a moment that really well, was. And, and Greg, Greg was at like the height. I mean, Greg's oh, been yeah. at the height of his powers for a very long time, but he was really, really at the height then. And he almost was the bad guy. And everyone was. was kind of sick of him winning. And Erica was the, you know, upstart. Uh, Little you princess. Know, yeah. First female, all these things. And then now it's like roles are reversed. Erica she's the bad is guy. on top. And she's the one that everybody's coming after and, and got a chip on her, her shoulder and everyone's gunning for her. So it's funny to see that role reversal over time. And here we go back to Chicago this weekend. Or I'm next very, weekend. very excited. Do you think that Erica, like, so I remember this time and I know we're, we're fixing to wrap up here, but as we kind of close the show, um, one more time, I want to give it up for all of our sponsors, Stroud Safety, Redline Synthetic Oils, Flow Racing, Type A Motors, Racers Club, uh, appreciate the support of the show. To kind of close, I remember there was this moment in NBA basketball where LeBron had left Cleveland, uh, became the, the villain of all sports, essentially, and went you know, took his talents to South Beach, and they struggled. The Miami Heat struggled initially, and there were a lot of people, myself included, he was talking about how he was embracing the role of villain, and he was, he was comfortable getting booed, and he was fine with that, and he was going to be the bad guy and embrace that, and it really didn't work out. And he actually later talked about how he had to get back to playing basketball with joy. And like enthusiasm and, and, and shake loose this desire to be the bad guy, to desire to be the villain. I'm just curious, like with you have a front row seat to everything that's going on right now. Do you think that any of that holds true with an Erica Enders where she's kind of gotten to this point where no more nice Erica? Um, do you think that there will be a point when she's because I mean, she's she does nothing left to prove. Right. So is she going to almost have to shake the chip? I think that I think it could go either way with her because you say she has nothing left to prove. And I, I believe that. And I tell her that every single second of the day, but if anybody knows Erica on a personal level, like her entire soul is invested in what she's doing. And it's, it's almost to a fault to where, you know, if, if they're not performing well, like it affects her as a human being. And I think that the no more nice Erica kind of came from a fact of where for so long, like even through what we just talked about with the photo with Greg for so long, she felt like she had to bite her tongue and just be poised and be this position and this role model for girls and, and women and young people who go through the system. And she just kind of got tired of taking shit and just having to be that, that role. And she just said, screw it. You know, I'm, I'm just going to start to say what I think. And I think I've earned it by performing on the track that I get to be who I am um, in these interviews and people still respect me and know that I'm still a good person and I'm not out to get anybody, but I'm not going to take your shit. And so that's where I think that no more nice Erica came from. And it worked so well last year because there was just so much, so much hate. And we, we talked about this in the green room and didn't end up doing it. And I'm glad we didn't, but 
people online and people who don't really know what's going on, that affects her. And she may get mad at me for saying this, but she's a sweetheart. Like of the two of us, she is the soft one. Like she cares what people think and she cares if kids are looking up to her and she cares if people like her and she cares if people boo when she loses. And so I think it's, it's kind of, it just depends on which Erica you're going to get because she wants to kick your ass and doesn't care what you think, but also she wants you to like her and she wants you to think that she's still good. And she has this kind of concept right now of like, after we had to back her up again um, in Charlotte for the second time this year, car wouldn't start. It was so sweet and innocent. I leaned in the car. I said, you okay? What, what do you need? She had her, um, balaclava still on and helmet off and she goes what's happening to me and it was just so <laughs> raw and sweet and she's like I'm not good anymore and like nobody else thinks that but her but I think that's what makes her so great too is now with five races in we've only won two rounds all of a sudden she's Erica 2012 that thinks she has to go prove to the world again so watch out. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. It, it, I think it is going to be, I mean, and it's good insight there. She gets yeah. into, I think that thing, I having been around her as much as I have over the years, like she holds on to those like sentimental things. Like mm -hmm. I, I would, I wouldn't want to race her in Chicago. Like, you know, that she's going to go there and get in her feels a little bit and she's going to, you know, probably tell some stories and there's going to be, Oh, do you remember? And all that stuff matters in my opinion. Like, uh, it, it matters. So it'll be and interesting. We're testing to see our asses go. off this week. So we've got to figure it out. I don't, I don't want to dive into it. It's not tech Tuesday, but we're, we're missing something there. And I don't know if it's spread too thin because we've got Christian running well and all the things, but there's some kind of angry gremlin in that red car. And we gotta, we gotta finesse it. I think it's just a good reminder of, to everyone that you can have there. It takes more than all the money. Yep. It takes more than all the best equipment and it's, best it's driver. probably, yeah, the best driver. It takes more than all of that. I mean, it takes this real harmonious relationship between all of those aforementioned items to have success in drag racing. And again, I think that's why this sport is so special and why I think, you know, I wake up every day, like determined. I mean, you talk about chip on your shoulder, something to prove, like to, to share this sport with the world, because it really is. It takes a million people. It takes a million dollars and it takes uh, like the stars and moon aligning for the yeah. car to, to start and get off the starting line, literally, let alone get there first. So anyway, hats off to anybody. I, I think our sport across the board, we don't give the people who choose to do this enough credit. Because, I mean, think about this past weekend. There's however many cars at the import race I was talking about, 400 cars in Indy, all these cars out on the East Coast at the House of Hook, and that's three tracks of the hundreds that exist in this country. No hey, prep Lewis. races yeah. going on all over. So, yeah, NMCA, funny NMRA, at Sophia. Yeah, Funny Car Chaos, Chaos in Odessa. This is, I mean, it's almost unbelievable how many men and women, young, old, every race, creed, color, choose to do this every weekend. And only a few come out of winter. Yeah, very few. And that's always yeah, the not challenge. Easy. That's it's, the takeaway from Erica's struggles. It's not look at her. It's not easy. It's, even I mean, even they for, were hot, right? Yeah, I mean, they were they were hot, hot. And we didn't change a thing. Like literally right. after Gainesville, after we were on the pole, actually number two, TJ was on the pole. That car didn't start. Have not figured it out ever since. Didn't change anything. This is it's a fickle little bitch. Excuse my French, but it is. It really <laughs> is, man. And so a tip of the cap to anybody out there watching that chooses to go drag racing and fight the good fight. I mean, I talk, I tell the story of my dad, like watch my dad burn up like a marriage in a bank account, chasing the pro stock dream. That's what I always joke, you know. And uh, it, it's it that's those sacrifices are are everywhere. People 
making massive sacrifices, time away from family, time away from business, businesses, uh, their own health and well-being. I mean, how many lives have this sport, not even drivers, I mean, people that have just keeled over from years and years and years on the road, not taking care of themselves. I mean, I can't count how many people uh, fall into that category. So God bless each and every one of you that choose to do it. Guys, hey, thank you so much. I appreciate we decided this week to kind of tighten the show up a little bit, not go on our normal four-hour rant. So uh, I appreciate you joining us, Courtney. It's always uh, great to have you. Huge shout-out to all you're doing at Flow. I see you rocking the brand there today. Thank you. I was just going to say, we can't go without saying it. This was this was planned attire before we knew. Absolutely, man. It's coming soon. Major news coming soon. Uh, stay. We got we got a big happening here in about two weeks. So appreciate thank you all for, you guys. for always integrating Flow and what you guys do and all of that. I really appreciate you letting me come on and pretend like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, pretend. Listen, good to right. have you. <laughs> all right, guys. The the job I want. <laughs> we'll see you next Wednesday, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on the Drag Illustrated YouTube pa- channel and Facebook page. And shout out, we're 150 people away from 500,000 followers on Facebook. Thank you guys so much. I can't even believe what I'm saying that Very out loud. Cool. 500K, guys. We'll see you next week. Later. Later. Thanks, y'all.